This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We will get to that. We'll get to the Bitcoin stuff because it's a crazy, crazy day. You know, the last podcast, I said... I wouldn't be surprised if there was a sell-off, but I did not mean like this. I really had no, I didn't, I didn't really, I, and I also meant like over time, but we'll get to that. We'll bury the lead for a second, talk sports, and we'll uh, get back into the Bitcoin uh, crazy sell-off. Yeah, I mean, the Elon Musk stuff happened like right after we hit, hit finished recording last week, so it only got crazier. It's funny that we, you know, we named it Diamond Hands because that became even more, uh, you know, it mattered even more four days later. So yes, it's been a crazy week in Bitcoin, no doubt. I don't have many notes for you this week, Liz. You say you have a bunch of, a bunch of stuff to go over, so, so go crazy, man. I got a bunch of stuff. I'll start with some sports. So you made two bets, two big long shot bets before the season. One was Otani for MVP. Do you know that he's the favorite for MVP right now in the AL? I did not know that because aren't they in last place? And obviously now Trout's not going to win, but I know he has the most, I mean, they're not going to help them being out uh, six weeks, but uh, yeah, he leads baseball in home runs, right? So that's that's pretty cool. I mean, that's it's it's wild. So I'm glad to hear that the the market even is is recognizing what he's doing. Okay, cool. Yeah, and he's pitching obviously and pitched well in his last outing. The thing is that everybody is kind of condensed at the top. There's nobody like running away with it. There's nobody with like 22 home runs right now or something crazy. So you know it's early still. Uh, and if everybody's kind of near the pack, everybody you know Otani has 46 home runs and the next guy has 44. And there's nobody who bats 370 with 35 home runs who's divi- you know division winner. Then I think they would just give it to the unique guy. I, you know, even if the Angels didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, even looking at Fangraphs' WAR, um, he was when I looked yesterday. I think he was tied with our guy Byron Buxton, which is pretty funny since Buxton has 50 fewer plate appearances, but his defense is so good. But I'm not factoring in the pitching. You throw in his half a win pitching, and he he would lead the AL in WAR. So. Um, and we talked about it before the season, man, that Angels Park, ever since they lowered, uh, uh, I wasn't sure what they did. I thought they lowered the fences, but Zola pointed out on the, uh, the XM show, uh, they just lowered the, the the yellow line. It's become like the best hit of home run park for lefties. It's it's better than Coors even. So that's a thing. And I, and I don't know if you've seen the, there's some screenshots out there, but it's crazy. One location's like way over his head, this fastball, and another he's saw the opposite, opposite field in Fenway is even more extreme. It was down in a way. So it's crazy what he's doing, and he's even like um, really up there in like the advanced nerd uh, pitching stats too. So yes, his control is not great, but um, I mean he's he shut down Houston. They have the best offense in baseball this year in Houston. His last start, so pretty cool to see, and hopefully he stays healthy. And even his fantasy is a monster because he's even swiping bags too. So yeah, I love it. And of course, of course, what this means is that with my track record is guaranteed he finishes runner runner up in yeah. the MVP vote. And then, but then you got Burns for Cy Young, and that looked great. And then he had was on the COVID list or whatever. But oh well, he's not going to win because Degrom's in the NL. Yeah, but then exactly. Degrom yeah. has a side strain, and he's been out also. So who knows, right? I mean, Degrom is dealing with an injury, so Burns is very much in the thick of it. So those are two yeah. pretty good. Long- you just had a ridiculous start to your baseball season. I'm hoping it collapses, but. You got one. I, one of our teams was in the top ten. One of the uh, beat Chris List teams was in yeah. the top ten recently, yeah. and then the other one's like fifty or you know seventy or whatever. It's it's not too far out. Right now so, they're both top twenty five. One's eleventh. One's twenty third. Just insane, man. It's insane. Yeah. Man. You could not have asked for a better start. Yeah, it's a, and I'm winning the beat Jeff Erickson one. I'm second in one main. I'm third in another. I'm winning the Yahoo friends and families. So yeah, it's been a it's been a good baseball start. But I burnt through a bunch of fab, and the more I realize it, I'm this year might just become a battle of attrition. So just the plane the plane at bats might just be like I just might be a total idiot later with some of the aggressive things I've got. I'm happy with some of the pitchers. 
Um, although one of those guys was a Noah who I'm going to two months for punching his pitcher's hand after start. Come on, man. That's Real frustrating. Man. There's going to be enough injuries on their own, but anyway, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited with this baseball start. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah. yeah. Real man has one bad exactly. outing ends his career with a punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's his first bad outing. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. It does, does not I, tolerate I failure. That, Real yeah. man does not tolerate <laughs> failure. You're right. I can't, I can't get too mad. You're right. I can't get too mad. I respect that. So there's that, but on the, on the other side, it looked like we we're going to win league of leagues, but you choked it away. And I actually have paid no attention to it whatsoever. I had no idea until you mentioned it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And so those guys are exchanging emails and, and Baron says, well, how come no one's t- talking about listen, Dalton choking it away. And I was going to say something clever, but I just kind of fired off this email and it was just like, yeah, DDD blew it. And then I realized like, you know, I was trying to be funny, like blaming my partner, but I didn't even make a joke. It just sounded like, I was like, okay, this guy blew it. That's it. There was no joke there. It was sort of like he ruined it for us, period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's far for the course. I expect nothing less. It's no problem. It's just really funny what happened. I, I actually didn't blow any. I got somehow finished second place in a 14 team basket fantasy basketball league. And I didn't totally punt it like I did the year before, but man, I disregarded basketball a lot. And we came in loaded with our football team, which is the reason we didn't win the overall and um, only finished third in the overalls because uh, our football, we finished, didn't even make the playoffs with a team that was had Barkley, um, Devontae Adams, McLaurin, Mark, Mark Andrews, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake. That's like five people that had a top 35 ADP. So it's funny how that worked out. But um, winning baseball right I now. I told you Sanders team. was a terrible pick. I was telling you yeah, at the that's time. Funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I told uh, you. Yeah, yeah. And then you walked that back. But um, no, we're winning, uh, <laughs> we're winning this year's version too uh, in baseball too, off to, off to a good start in that one. So uh um, we'll, we'll see how that turns out, but the Miz did not, uh, repeat. Um, and, uh, cousin Sal, um, I guess he tied with Toby with the late, nothing I did there at the end, man. It was just, he, a guy moved from like eight to six in basketball that mattered is what happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, so cousin Sal tied with, with Toby for first overall, but I'm um, still a, a nice, a nice overall season for us in league of leagues. Do we get money for third? I mean, if we ever get paid, yeah, yeah, yeah money well, for third? Yeah. Great question. Uh, I, I don't know. I need to go dig up how, how the payouts go. But um, yeah, I, we certainly won't be owing anything for uh, the upcoming ones, that's for sure. That's good. You have any other bets? Any other uh, long shot, season long bets going? Um, let me, no, not, um, I mean, I'm going to, I made some for, um, for football. This is the Broncos, really. Is, I'm hoping they trade for, case for Aaron Rodgers. Are you yeah. going to do that stack we talked about? You're going to do a RotoWire online and get, Judy and Sutton and Fant and Aaron Rodgers on the same team and then still get first your first four picks of whoever you like in the first four rounds. Yeah, I should I should do that. I haven't done any best balls uh, at all recently, but um yeah, I'm not a best do, ball. Uh, Don't do a best ball. Do a uh, online championship. You can do it now. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I know I've looked I've looked at the online championships. I haven't been selling out much uh, or at least uh, when I've looked to sign up because uh, I'm I'm definitely itching to do one for sure. So I might, I might do that. Although I'll, I'll obviously uh, plenty invested um, as is for, uh, for him to go to Denver. So I don't do fantasy hoops anymore, but two things are going on in hoops. One is Dre, Andre Snellings, has been like 66% against the spread. On like, I want to say like 80 games so far this oh, wow. year, he's bet. Wow. It's been like a ridiculous run. And then the other guy, and I don't know this guy at all, but this guy, uh, Eric Wong, mm-hmm. One, I think he won the NFBKC, like the online and the main event. They have like a smaller version of it. He yeah, won he both, I think. And I know that guy's won a bunch of other national contests and always wins his league. I think he's in the NFBC or NFBKC Hall of Fame. He's like the only guy for basketball. But it's crazy when there's one guy who wins at a rate like that. You know, not just like, oh, well, yeah, he had a good year. He had a bad year. He won tout a couple times or something. It's it's like this guy may be the best. I don't know. I mean, it's different. I, I think baseball is the most competitive sport. I mean, football's competitive, but football's football. But like baseball's probably the most competitive in my opinion. But it's pretty crazy that that guy won both of those. Yeah, I'm sure basketball is overall smaller than baseball, but that's still or and football, but that's still totally impressive. Yeah, you're you're saying multiple overall contests. Yeah, uh, and in multiple years. So. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't get. Yeah, it's. I didn't realize he was that impressive until I think Scott Jenstead pointed it out in a tweet. And yeah, super impressive. Well, I'd heard of the guy. I don't think I've ever met him, but I knew that he had won some stuff and won it like a ridiculous rate. And then the fact that he did it again, it's like, yeah. it's pretty crazy. So he he and Dre 
the two guys having just insane basketball years. And then, you know, you know about Casey Cha, right? Of uh, the NFC. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. That yeah. He yeah. won nine of 19 mains last year. <laughs> and so he's, yeah. I'm only in one league with him, but it was a draft champions that I did in like mid January. And I really was not up on baseball and I was using it because it's 50 rounds to do research. Right. You know, just to kind of get up to speed and it was, it was worth it. And I heard of him and I'm looking at some of his picks and he staked me on Kimbrell and, and Greg Holland, who I had in other leagues and obviously doesn't have the job anymore. But I was like, yeah, this team kind of sucks. I don't really like this team. He didn't draft a really good team. I think he's, he's like winning. 10, 10th overall or something. You know, there's like <laughs> 4,000 teams yeah. in the draft champions. Mine's like 1,000th overall. This is like 10th. And, you know, you can't make moves. It's not like you can pick guys up. Like, you just have to have enough depth at each position. And there, everybody has injuries. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll see yeah. what happens. But uh, I actually That's like the team a little that I have. But it's just hilarious. Like, I was like, I didn't like his team. And it kind of pisses me off because he, I saw you at like, Chris Bryant. And a couple of guys got Chris Bryant. And I was buying low on Bryant every single year since his MVP. I was like, he was yeah. like a fourth rounder. I'm like, oh, he's fourth rounder. He could be a first rounder. Then he was hurt. Terrible. Last year, oh, seventh rounder. Oh, I'll take him in the seventh snap call. That That's that's obvious. And then he was horrible last summer. So I was just kind of out on him this year. And of course, the smart guys are in and he's crushing it. Yeah, it's funny that you looked at Casey Child. You might have your way to look at his roster, and we're very unimpressed. And it's top ten overall. Um, Dre, I, uh, nice to hear about him dominating against the spread and circling back with hoops real quick. Um, uh, I'm going to jinx myself and say, assuming the Warriors lose tonight uh, against the Lakers, man, that game two play-in game at home against Friday, I'm going to be awfully tempted to uh, to see the prices on those tickets. That'll be a, an exciting one. But um, yeah, so you love that when I talk about Warriors. The talk. least interesting thing in the history of this podcast is you uh, boasting uh, about going to Warriors games. Exactly. That's why I brought. Of course, that's why I brought you're, it you're up. Like, you're uh, like Chamath boasting about how rich you are <laughs> and getting dunked on by all the plebs. <laughs> oh yeah, we can go long enough for that. So are we ready to talk Bitcoin? What what more sports? Well, I was, was going to say. I was I was going to say something else about uh, Chris Bryant. Is is that? It's like, maybe it's just that I've gotten lazy in my old age, but like, I just assume, you know, guy who wins an MVP at age 25 or whatever he was and whenever he won the MVP 2016 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be good to like 32. You know, he's, he's not going to forget that to hit. And, and if he's bad, it's because he's hurt and he was hurt a lot. And then as soon as he's healthy, just buy back in. But I was talking to Jeff about this and I think like a lot of times a guy has a lingering injury. It's not acute. It's just lingering. And he tells the reporters he's healthy and he's just healthy. You know, Oh, he's healthy now. Okay, great. I'll get him. But like, he's not totally fine. And then somebody else maybe who digs in a little deeper figures out, Oh, he's actually really healthy now. He's actually done with this thing. And these things take a couple of years or something. I don't know what it is, but I kept buying in and now he's actually healthy, but he wasn't hurt last year. He wasn't hurt. You know, when, when I was drafted him either, it's just bizarre. I know it's annoying. It was a small season last year, but yeah, I, I hear you with, with a guy like Bryant. And if you just keep going back to the well and then the year you stop and some, someone that a other side of 30 doing this has got to be extra frustrating. Yeah. I, or he's barely 30, but whatever. Uh, I mean, is he uh, that young still? Is he, I think he's, he's pretty, not? I don't know. I gotta, I, I would have to look up his age. He's around 30. I would say yeah. the only note I took for the whole pod, I think for uh, whatever reason is uh, I, um, I saw that you picked up and spent more on Ahmed Rosario when my guy, Brandon Crawford was, was available in the beat Chris list too. That's the only note for the whole pod. So apparently I gave you shit in my head Sunday night. Ahmed Rosario is a stud. He's a beast. He's hitting 200 now. He's, he's gotten his average up. He stole a base the other day. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he was going man. to like the eighth. He was going to like the eighth round like last year. Yeah. Do you know how many and homers they, Crawford has? How many does he have? Yes. Seven. Ten. Oh, I know it. How many steals he has? How many? How many? Three steals. And that park is, is hitting fine for lefties. Oh, these days too, so. Yeah, all right. That's that's my only that's my only note for the well, pod. So it must be said. If you needed a shortstop and you chose actively chose Ahmed Rosario over Crawford, uh, shame on you. That's all. Well, who's who's the uh, competition for Rosario in Cleveland for shortstop? Well, no Jimenez. one didn't they send down Jimenez? They send right? down Jimenez. They sent him down. Yeah. He plays yeah. outfield and shortstop. Yeah, he can't hit. I, I drafted that guy way too high last year, Rosario. I, I drafted him way too high. Jimenez right too. I got Rosario for free. I got him for five bucks, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. know, I know. He's only yeah. got two homers and two steals, but he's going to play every day now, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Okay. he's 
He might be a scrub. Well, he's he guaranteed. To, his bat's probably going to wake up just from, from me right there. I'm going to help you right there. I like it. Thank you. I need, I need some help. Yeah. So there, it was funny. Uh, Jen Stad and this other guy, I should actually look up the guy's name. Uh, they, they were saying something, because I have Glaber Torres in every league, and he finally hit his first home run of the year, May 9th. And I was, you know, like, Jesus Christ, May 9th. You know, that's really late. And Jen said says something like, and the other guy, they kind of piled on. They were like, ah, you know, he'll have a flurry of them probably next week, like six next week. The other guy's like, yeah, he's in Baltimore. It's like a no-brainer. Like he'll, And I was like, guys, please just ease up on the jinxes here. And of course, a couple (laughs) days later, he gets COVID and he misses the Baltimore series. Baltimore is basically where he got half of his home runs when he hit 38 in 2019 in like 140 games. So he's, he might be back tonight, but he's on my bench, obviously, for the week. Uh, well, so. I'm doing the opposite for you there and hurting myself. I think I added Crawford in all three of my mains the week before. So I don't know what I'm doing. I'll shut up now. Yeah, there, I'm doing the opposite for you there, helping helping you out with Rosario, for sure. Yeah, and, and the other guy, to his credit, came back and apologized for the jinx afterwards. No, nice. You never you rarely see that. Good for him. Yeah. Good so. for him. Yeah, he did go just silly against the Orioles, though. The numbers with, you know, were just absolutely ridiculous. Another guy, by the way, another guy, I'm not going to say his name because he DM'd me. He didn't do this publicly on Twitter, but he, uh, so I won't say his Twitter handle. Another guy subscribing to RotoWire because of the pod. And also, he said because of the Twitter dust up, he, uh, <laughs> he just thought those dudes were douchebags and basically wanted to subscribe. So thank you. Appreciate it. I'm not right. going to give you, I would, I mean, I didn't, I may, you know, if you want your handle mentioned, I will do it. Anyone who subscribes because of the pod, I will mention their handle uh, if they want. But if you DM me, then I'm going to presume that you want to keep this uh, private. So we won't mention the handle. All right. We're going to talk Bitcoin, but I got a couple other things. You know, Oscar, my dog, he's very small. He weighs about, I think he weighs about seven pounds. And we got to decide whether to get him fixed pretty soon. He's 10 months. In about a year, you kind of got to do it. You can't really do it when they're like, you know, full grown, more than a year, something like that. That's what I heard at least. And we thought, well, I mean, he doesn't, he's like so small, right? Like, it's not like he's going to hump anybody like a human, like that dog. We had this dog at the, the house we stayed, which we gave up. And there was a dog there. It wasn't ours. It was our, you know, the, our landlord's dog. And he was basically just a rapist. Like it was, it was horrible. Like he would just man, woman, whatever, child. Cause he, he was like a hundred pounds, 110, but he was really big and strong. It was like a problem. Like, you know, he, he would just try to have his way with everybody. And we're like, well, we, we saw him. We were like, oh yeah, of course we got to get him fixed. But then we're like, well, this is not going to be like that. Cause he's tiny. Can't really do anything. And so we were like, all right, maybe we won't get him fixed. You know, he's, he's a real man. We're not going to, it's horrible to do that to your, to your pet. But then Heather was out with him and he like saw a Cadella. Cadella is a female dog in Portugal. He chased her like for miles and, you know, tried to have his way with her. And she was bigger. And like, I think her, her owner kind of like pushed him off, but it's like, Heather had to like run a long way. You know, he would go into the street if the dog was crossing the street. So unfortunately for Oscar, I think we got to, we have to do the deed. It's funny you say that. I literally was on the phone with the vet uh, to spade my dog, who's about a year old as well. And um, they were, yeah, they're, the first appointment didn't work and they're a couple months out. But yes, that's something I need to take care of as well and probably should have by now too. So yeah, interesting. So, so, so yeah, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for the guy, but it's just like, it's, you know, it's the thing is, these are pets. They're not wild animals and they just can't, it's just not compatible really. But I, I feel, I feel bad. I really actually feel bad about this. Yeah. You got to listen to Bob Barker though, man. Yeah. What did Bob Barker say? Uh, really? You're that out of, really? I can't even give an old uh, pop culture reference. Sorry. He ended literally every single uh, Price is Right with have your pet spayed or neutered. So, sorry that I went too far. Really? I don't remember that. I, I watched it in the in the 70s and 80s. Literally every single show he ended with. Have, uh, have I don't know. Spayed. I don't know in the 70s and 80s if he did that. All right. Okay. All right. If he did, I wasn't paying attention because I didn't have a yeah. pet, so I didn't even know what they were talking about. Okay. Let's uh, take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a couple of things. One is, so I'm learning a bunch of new stuff. I think we talked about this a year ago or whatever, but I, I'm starting to take Portuguese lessons again because oh, nice. to, get, to get a passport, you need to speak it, you need to be certified. And hmm. you know it's a pain. I got to do homework and shit. It's a real pain in the ass, but I, it's cool. I do this like online with these goofy other, couple other dudes and this uh, teacher, and she's pretty good. So I'm learning Portuguese. I'm learning to drive a stick shift. I've mentioned this before. You know how to drive a stick shift, right? You live absolutely, in absolutely, absolutely not. Who do you think? Oh, you, you don't know me better than that. You know, me oh, better you're that than kind that. of dude. I'm not yeah. a real man. You're like Come me. On, you don't. No. You don't. You don't no. deal with, no. like you're like lazy and don't want to expose yourself to risk or try anything new or. So yeah, my okay, wife so, is a ten times the handyman around the house than me. Is my wife? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm inept. Go ahead. So right. So you're okay. Well, I didn't know that. I assume because you're from California. So I, I grew up in New York. I didn't even drive a regular car until I was 18. And even that it was kind of treacherous for a couple of times, you know, until I was like 19 and got a car in college and finally learned how to drive it by the time, you know, I had it for a while. But I never learned to drive a stick shift. And all the cars here are stick shift. Our car that we're leasing for two and a half years is stick shift. And basically, Heather has to drive everywhere. And it's a pain, you know, driving Sasha to school, picking her up for school, all this stuff. We used to take public transportation before COVID. Maybe we will again soon. But for now, it's the car. And so she's like, you got to learn how to do this. And I'm like, all right. And first of all, I got to get a Portuguese license, which I sent my license in a long time ago. I didn't send, I sent a copy of it in, fill up paperwork in like, I want to say November, and I'm still waiting, checking the mail every day. It's not here, but that's par for the course. So I'm learning to drive stick shift in traffic, you know, dealing with like a truck cutting me off and downshifting. You know, I mean, it's like a little bit stressful because the stakes are high. I mean, I know how to drive a car, but you know, I don't, I don't deal with stepping on the clutch and stuff. And when I first did it, Sasha would just get so annoyed because it would be like so herky-jerky. But now I'm sort of getting it. So that's another thing. And how's, then, the hills, how's the hills situation, the terrace was, where you well, are? Yeah. Oh, well, it, where we are is flat. And I don't really drive in, our, in Lisbon very much. I mostly drive when we go away for the weekend. But, you know, Lisbon is one of the hilliest cities and tiny, narrow streets. And you got to, like, park going <laughs> oh, down the hill. Easy. Okay. Perfect. No, it's bad. It's bad. And yeah. I'm not ready for that yet. But, you know, pretty soon I'm going to be doing that. That's another thing. Third okay. thing I'm learning. So I'm, I'm learning a language. I'm learning to drive a stick shift with my family at the car and Sasha yelling at me how much I suck at it and how annoying it is. And then I'm also learning uh, how to surf. I, I mentioned that last year. So I went surfing with Sasha because, you know, it was like someone's got to go with her because she doesn't want to go by herself. And I actually, you know, I'm not saying real surfing, like on big waves. I mean, like in the white water, but like standing up and the dude's like, oh, you're getting it. You got it. That's good. You know, and I got some rides and I mean, I'm, it's not really surfing. It's like standing on the board and kind of gliding in slowly from like small waves, not very far from the shore. But I'm thinking, you know, I'm 50, man. It, your brain at 50 does not want to learn. It does not want to suck at something, do it over and over again, and, and deal with that at all. I bet not. No, that's impressive, uh, doing all those. Uh, yeah, surfing, those are not like easy uh, hobbies to pick up either um, a, lang a new language and stick shift. Yeah, those are, yeah, okay. I mean, not, I'm not good at any of it yet. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I can drive the stick shift in the countryside and through some traffic in like a small town and city and whatever. I can ride the wave, ride not really, you know, sort of like the surf in, you know, stand up. And I can uh, speak, you know, in a restaurant and converse in my class. You know, I'm still very low level at all these things, but I started thinking like it sucks. Like I, I, it's, painful to, to have to uh, get yourself to do something you're bad at when you're already a fully grown man with a family and a job that you understand how it works for a long time and things are easier than they were now but like i'm doing this stuff and uh, i feel like this is good this is the right way to go to keep your the brain cells adapting to new challenges i guess yeah for sure you know uh on iq tests or at least one that i saw which was given years ago um they grade you on a scale and you basically peak really young at like 19 20 years old like that's where your brain capacity peaks and you're just totally graded on a scale like that so i don't even know about at, at your age when you just turned 50 i mean boy it really really is off the map then though in all seriousness though it's great man you're never too too old to learn and that's that's impressive and and uh yeah that's uh, i'm proud of you i don't know about if i have the patience for the stick shift i don't really just drive 
uh, that much. Well, no. But um, yeah, you, you have a you have an automatic. Like I drove L.A. for twenty right. years with my automatic. Yeah. I'm a good driver. Yeah. I think so. Everyone thinks they're a good driver, except Heather doesn't think I'm a good driver. I don't think she's a good driver. But the point is that, and she's a hell of a backseat driver or a front seat <laughs> driver, depending. You know, she's a hell of a oh. a, a pass. You know, she loves to tell me how to drive. Not whenever what I do is. Whenever the light turns, I point at the light. Like when it turns green, I yeah. point. And that just drives her insane that I point like before she goes. Right? <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but but yeah, I I know how to drive. You know, I've driven forever and whatever. But I it's just stick shift is different. And but there's I would never have learned it in LA because I would have access yeah. to every automatic and there'd just be no point. But it's kind of cool to have to learn. It's just high stakes. If you fuck up, you die or smash up your car and <laughs> injure your family so it's a little stressful that's all no no doubt so okay so there's that the other thing i want to say is i saw an article and it made me think it was an article about how everything online is like a game it's a game to you're like playing a game online where you're like twitter or instagram or investing or it's like everything's this game and mm-hmm. how you and it was this whole thing about how to like do better at the game and how there's like ways to get ahead in the game and it has consequences financially for you in real life and other things. And I started thinking about that. And I just so strongly disagree with that, that it's a game, that you're playing this online game. I mean, I understand the model. Like, it's a model. It's a way of looking at it, I guess. It's a framework. But I just reject that framework. I could see why people would find it appealing, but I just think this it's a terrible framework, looking at life or online life as a game. You know, some people look at life as a game. Oh, we're in sort of a... Yeah simulation and we're playing this game but i think that's just a a really a a really sort of pathological way to look at things yeah i missed this column um but now it sounds like you're saying it's not really worth uh no no it's just something linked but anyway so so what don't you like about it so explain what what, why that bothers you i I don't remember the exactly the the argument the details oh yes your dog by the way i love this i heard on the xm show this is great this is not my dog the dog sitting sorry the dog sitting yeah this is Petey, right and it's annoying because heather because this is super annoying i'm gonna complain here so heather's like oh we're gonna take Petey wednesday night it's our friend's dog they've taken oscar they're very nice with stuff that we need we'll take Petey. i'm like ah okay fine yeah of course fine whatever it's not a big deal. Oh, they're bar- oh, you know what? This is good though. They're barking as Heather's coming home. And then she's like, Oh, I'm going out to dinner with my friend. So you put Sasha to bed and whatever. And either of those things in isolation would be fine, right? Like she's going out to dinner, I'll put Sasha to bed, no problem. Or we're taking the dog, no problem. But the day you're taking the dog, you can't go out to dinner because you know I have a podcast. You know Sasha's trying to sleep and they're right outside her room barking. You know the, the neighbor downstairs who our who's our landlord, our downstairs neighbor complains about noise all the time and you know i'm not going to be there to like shut the dog up because i'm doing my podcast so it is what it is we get evicted i don't care you know it's it's worth getting evicted just so she sees that that was a stupid thing to do you know i love it i just only know because of xm too he made a few appearances on the xm show and he's barking during my show on xm you know and then she came home and and took him but it's like what did you think was going to happen you can't do both you can have the dog and stay home with them or you can not have the dog and go out but she's doing both so okay it is what it is so he made an appearance he's a very famous dog now he's been on two two I, major I this yeah. this podcast is bigger than than yeah. the xm show obviously but yeah okay so i was just saying like and and there is a book so okay so I, the article was just talking you know you can see how it's a game you know you can play a game how to comment on tweets and get more followers and get influence you know you can see how you could look at it as a game and not be it would help you not get personally insulted if someone rejects you. It's just a game, you know, it's, and it's funny because it reminded me of this book, um, the game by this guy, Mm -hmm. uh, Neil Strauss, which I read in my single days. And it was like, he was a pickup artist. Like it was a game to pick up women. And I also, it's funny. When I, I bought that book, I bought this other book at the same time called the power of kindness, which was just about, it was this guy, I forget the guy's name, an Italian guy. And it was about how, you know, acts of, of genuine kindness, not like, you know, wearing a mask in public because people are scared, but genuine kindness, you know, how much they, how much impact they have and why it's worth it. And so it was like, I, I had a conscience and I remember I was like dating a girl a long time ago and I, I was telling her about this and I said, but I also bought the power of kindness. And she said, Oh, I see a player with a conscience. And I wasn't really a player, but she, she was kind of a nerd and she thought I was kind of a player, I guess, because she was a nerd. 
<laughs> the point is not that being a nerd is bad. I actually like I actually like that. But the point is that this book was like, and I never really did it. I I, I only like I never manipulated anybody, but I just tried a couple things just to see like it was true. And one time I was at this bar in New York, and it was a it was, it was not a bar, it was like a restaurant, but there was kind of a bar there. And it was called Blue Ribbon. And it's like they're at midnight, they're open. I would fly in from LA and get there at like, you know, 10 p.m., check into my hotel, walk two blocks in, in Soho and go to this restaurant, which would be packed at midnight with a lot of like the chefs from the neighborhood. And they had like this fish soup and oyster. It was like amazing food at midnight. It was such a great meal. Sure. And uh, so I was there and there's this very attractive woman to the left of me. And she's with some very drunk, probably very rich guy. And he's like stumbling around, whatever. And I could see she's annoyed with him or whatever. And I'm talking with my friends. And the woman, I don't know if she like touched my arm with her arm accidentally at the bar or elbowed me just slightly. But I, I turned to her. I said, excuse me, can you give me a little space, please? Thanks. Like real dick. And she was like, what the, you know, like, how is this guy talking to me like that? Like nobody would say that to her. They say, oh, no problem. You know, like whatever. I was just a jerk on purpose. Um, because it, the book said you should do that. But then like, I could see like, I, then I just like was talking, you know, my friends and stuff, but I could feel like her attention, like so strongly on me. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this is like black magic. This is not a good, it's not good. And then finally, like I could just, she like was turned to me and I could just see she was like so pissed, you know, like her feelings were hurt. She was mad. And I said, you know, I was just joking. That was just a joke. You know, I explained it to her. And then she was like super friendly after that. But yeah, you know, I didn't like, that was the end of that. I didn't, you know, she's with a guy. It was not even a thing. That was all I right. ever you know, use it for. But the point is, it was a game, right? It was like, oh, it was a game. Like, that was a good move. I was like, you know, be mean. Yeah. That's very surprising to her. Like most guys are not mean to her because she was very attractive. And it's, that's not a good way to be. That is not, I, I don't know. I just think like, you know, people would say, oh, dude, it's just in the game. Just, you know, whatever you, you can, you can play or not. You know, nobody, it's don't hate the player, hate the game, you know. But I just think that's a very destructive way. Like, I just feel like, just tell the truth. Like, just be an honest human. Like, why is it a game? Like, you're interacting with another human being online. You're interacting with a human being, a woman in person. Like, why are you playing a game with that? To get what you, it just seems very manipulative and, and soulless and sort of evil in a way, the whole game thing. So I just disagree with that. I understand why that's a model for success or it could, it could, be, it could work. Like, they did work. In that, I, mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get farther than just getting some attention. You know, I probably would have blown it anyway if I were serious. But the point is that to be look that's a horrible lens to be looking through yeah yeah i guess i'll just counter and say that it's just it is just a framework and it's just how people want to their perspective on things it doesn't really change what's actually happening in life it's just kind of how they want to go through life uh viewing viewing it you know what i mean so it's not really anything like it's just kind of like a personal decision kind of like it's not really active really tangibly changing anything that's how you view how you kind of view your own reality yeah, but I mean, it, it, there's implications to it, right? Like how you view your reality. If you if you view your reality is not really real, if it changes or, your behavior. Sure, sure. Well, okay, well, it yeah, would have yeah. to, right? I mean, the whole point yeah. would be to okay. take advantage of the. Okay, so uh, you would argue that's just like a state of mind. So, and anyone viewing it that would behave certain X, Y, and Z. Therefore, yeah, okay. Well, I think right. it's the point of it. I think the point of it is to take advantage. You know, when we, when we play a game like fantasy baseball, fantasy football, we. We try to, you know, you're you're always looking. I want to get all the pitchers because this is, you know, you're trying to take advantage of the structure of the game to make money to win to succeed, and you're you're doing, I got, yeah, you're yeah, doing things, yeah. you know, very calculatedly, which is appropriate because it is a actual fantasy baseball is actually a game. You know, if you're playing chess, you know, you're trying to trap people and destroy them. You know, I mean, you're supposed to. That's how it should be. It's a game. And certainly but, behaving that way at a bar would be playing a game. Yes, that's an extreme well, example. Yes, but everything's right. a little bit of a game. I mean, you got to like yeah. chit-chat. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't especially good at it because I'm just more like, you know, let's just have a real conversation. But nobody wants that. You know, It's the last thing anyone wants. So it doesn't work in that kind of casual setting. It's, it's a, a poor strategy. Uh, and I'm sure if I were trying to meet a girl and, and one of these pickup artists were there, they would leave with the pickup artist, not me. But at what cost, you know, at what cost are you always playing a game? And I just, I just had a visceral distaste for the art, for the whole idea of it. I felt it was just like antithetical to how one should be. Anyway. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I, right, I, like I saw it in a couple other places. I saw a couple other people mention it 
in that context. And it's sort of like the Elon Musk simulation. Oh, we're in a simulation. It's like a game. It's like a video right. game that some you know advanced civilization is playing with us. That that idea, which yeah. brings us to he's kind of playing a game, right? I mean, he's kind of playing a game with this Dogecoin. Oh, this is, oh, it's better than Bitcoin. I'm going to talk to the developers. He's not serious. He's playing a game. I don't know what the game is that he's playing. I'm not really sure what the point of that game is. Um, but it doesn't seem like, it, it doesn't seem like he's being like a earnest human being giving his thoughts on the space or on, you know, what a good investment is or, you know, what's a serious you know, it just seems like he's playing a game. He called it a scam on SNL, Dogecoin, and said to the moon. And then, yeah, he's doing these tweets and, I don't know, manipulating the market. Or if he's just ahead of the charts. I, I don't know what's the cause and effect there. But, yeah, Elon went from another hero the, this, the, and then the Bitcoin community got so, you know, fired back so much. Then it made him even threaten for Tesla to sell. And then that may have dropped it even further. But it was a wild week, man. I mean, there's so many. I don't even know where to begin, but there's so much FUD from the from the environmentalists to uh, to Tesla to China, reiterating a rule that was three years old, yet routers running with it um, uh, on their front, you know, headlines. So, just this was a wild week of of and and who knows if there's something nefarious behind this with just to get it the gets rid of some leverage and some bigger institutions uh, in it. And is that even good as a a Bitcoin maxi? You know what I mean? So I don't know. What are your thoughts? the the elon thing maybe started the it was like the pebble that started the avalanche it was already down a little bit before then for other reasons I, the, the first tweet was really a, an environmental fud tweet you know that, that bitcoin uses up too much energy and you and i have talked about this already in the pod nick carter does a great job debunking that bitcoin uses a lot of energy it's true and it's also incentivizing cheaper and cheaper energy in more and more remote stranded places so it's actually one of the few market-based uh, incentives to develop cleaner and cleaner energy and cheaper and cheaper energy that is not being used already. But I thought at first, I thought when he said that, I thought, okay, well, Tesla gets a lot of subsidies from the government and it's a clean energy thing, supposedly. I mean, obviously they have their own energy issues with pollution with lithium batteries and, you know, they have to get electricity, which comes from fossil fuels, a lot of it uh, anyway. But, you know, yes, they're yes, building yes. solar yeah. and they're got electric cars and, and, you know, he's, that's his, you know, that's his, niche is, you know, clean energy. I mean, helping humanity get past it. So I thought, okay, he's got government subsidies and whether it's true or not about Bitcoin, this is a huge, a huge issue for in people's minds and they believe it and they may be wrong, but even if they're wrong, they believe it. And he's dependent on a lot of these people. It's a PR move. I thought, okay, he's saying this just to let them, just to let everybody think, okay, he cares about this because when he bought Bitcoin, put on the balance sheet, people might've accused him of not really caring about the environment. So no, I really care. I'm going to say this, but we're not selling. And I thought, okay, it's PR. He appeases a certain bunch of people that he needs to appease. It's not selling, so it doesn't really matter. This is just, this will pass. But then, you know, as you said, everyone, everyone started piling on him, dunking on him, destroying him. And then he started getting a little bit more, you know, a little more annoyed back. Defensive, and, yeah. As you would do, everyone attacking him. Like, right. Yeah. And he's used to, you know, he's got like 55 million Twitter followers. So, you know, he's used to, being attacked for different things. But, you know, the, the Bitcoin maxis are pretty hardcore. And But he, uh, like, personally responds to, like, five of the main people I, I follow, you know, five of the 15 people I follow, you know, you right. know what I mean? It's pretty funny, yeah. like, personally responding to, like, anyway, well, go ahead. Because those are getting, those are getting amplified with, like, 20,000 likes also, you know? So it's like, there's, he's seeing it a lot, I guess. And then I, I read a take, where I don't know if it's true, but I thought it was interesting, that, that Bitcoin's actually competition for Tesla, in a way. What if, you're basically storing energy through Bitcoin. You're mining energy from sources across the globe and you're sending it as mined Bitcoin to different places. So in, in a way, the excess energy has a really good use to secure the financial system. And if you if you read Safetyne's uh, tweet thread, it's sort of like, well, you know, the, to secure the dollar, which is the world's reserve currency, we have a gigantic military that does all kinds of things. And it's such a privilege to be able to print money Printing money, obviously, if you could print money in your house, it'd be a pretty damn good power to have. Um, and the country that gets to really print the money has this exorbitant privilege, and they're going to go around the world and fight to defend that. And everybody's going to fight for that privilege, and there's going to be war. And I, you know, I've heard, and people said, you know, Iraq was a war for oil, but I've heard that you know Saddam was going to go off the U.S. was going to sell oil 
and not take dollars. It's going to take something else, take gold for it. And Gaddafi, who got murdered after he was sort of, you know, the good guy for a minute and then he got murdered, was also going to take gold for oil. And that's a threat to the U.S. reserve currency because you must buy oil in dollars. And so I heard, I, you know, maybe I'm, maybe there's more to it than this, but I heard that this is to preserve the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. We will go to war for that. And because it's, it, the whole economy kind of depends on that. It's, a, it's not a small, it's not a small thing like you and me and everybody else will feel that if the U.S. loses the reserve currency status. And so Safety's point was that the cost of, of having the central banks print money is actually war, is death military, not just the environmental cost, but just the human cost of it. And then if you had a trustless machine, a Bitcoin, you know, which is trustless being the reserve currency, uh, there would be nothing to fight about. There would be no, nobody would be able to print money and enrich whoever they choose to enrich and spend money on wars and anything else. And it, it would bring about just a, a, a lasting change uh, in terms of, in terms of not only uh, energy expenditure, but, but peace. And so, because there, there'll still be fights or you know disagreements, but the hugest thing is to have this power to be the world reserve currency. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 the trustless technology is I'm betting on it winning in the long run, and it looks, it looks. I'm yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I'm betting on it, and uh, a lot of middlemen will lose jobs in the meantime. But if it does, but well, but yeah, that isn't that the future. But this is a threat to you know. So if you get rid of war and 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 gigantic military i mean you'll still have militaries but you won't have th this sort of fight for the economic control the printing power so that was one theory is that is that bitcoin competes with elon musk's companies because it is basically a way of incentivizing cleaner and cleaner energy and which is stored um by by minting new bitcoins and sending those, you know, and you're basically taking energy that's stranded in, in some place in China that has too much hydroelectric and you're using it to mine or, you know, Marty Bent talks about, he works for like a national, uh, a natural gas company that has fla methane flares that pollute the environment. And he's capturing that. Well, he's, you know, the miners are capturing that and using it to power their, their mining. And so it's, it's like a different renewable com competitor. That was one guy's, one guy's thesis. And then I, I listened to this podcast, Preston Pish, Jeff Booth and Lynn Alden, all of whom I recommend. And they were saying that, you know, this, this notion that Elon Musk is some kind of guru who's going to save the planet with his um, tech, new technologies is extreme centralization. Like a guru, a master, you know, a guy you look to is, is, the, is like extreme centralization. And, you know, the point of Bitcoin is decentralization. Nobody has the power to tank a currency or make it pump and, and I, I think it's good for him to be off of it and that, you know, the pump that Bitcoin got when Tesla bought it. Um, I mean, it'll get a lot of pumps from different uh, corporate treasuries adopting it, but that it's better off without him because you don't want to be centralized and be dependent on what Elon Musk is going to tweet on some whim playing some game. The point is nobody can stop it and nobody's in charge of it. I, I've been saying for years that dude rode the coattails off my buddy's dad. I told you he was the 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 prior CEO of Tesla. He just riding his coattails uh, uh, to become the richest man in the I, world. I don't know. Well, he's the third richest <laughs> now. Uh, but yeah, I, I know, right, right. But I don't. But I don't know. Like I don't want to take a position on a lot of people. Think he's a total fraud. It's government. I, Some people I, yeah. say it's a spook. You know, he's basically, you know, CIA. You know, whatever. I I don't know. I I don't think any of that. This is a fraud. Tesla's going to go bust. I shorted Tesla. I lost money. I shorted at the worst time. Lost money. I mean, it was a put. It wasn't like I was exposed to a lot of loss. But he may space, be a genius. Space, SpaceX has pushed NASA supposedly. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, he has a big, big thought. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't understand it either because I hear both sides. Sorry. Try to cut you off. Continue. He may be a genius, but. Yeah, he may be a genius or he may be a fraud, but like he may be a genius and there's an element of fraud in marketing. He may be mm -hmm. a good guy, maybe a bad guy. I don't really have a view on that. I don't really care. Right. I don't think it's so horrible what he did. I don't, I don't feel that. I feel like he talks some shit. He's got 55 million followers. He's widely admired. It's going to have an effect. It may be reckless, but what's he supposed to do? Never say a word about anything. I don't know. You know, so. Well, it just I, seemed a little, I don't know, uninformed with the environmental stuff oh. or either uninformed or disingenuous or especially what, you know, what he contributes as well to environment. So I don't know. That just seemed to rub people probably the wrong way. I would guess. Well, I said, you know, never go f full Taleb, you know, because Taleb, widely admired genius. I love the guy. 
And he got into a spat. I don't know if this is why, but he got into a spat with Safety and Amos over COVID. He wrote the intro to uh, the Bitcoin Standard, but apparently didn't read it. And uh, they got into a spat over COVID. And then, you know, it kind of bled into Bitcoin. And then Taleb is very negative on Bitcoin. But he started saying a lot of ne- uh, uninformed bullshit that had been debunked many times. And it was kind of embarrassing. And, you know, the, the cyber hornets, as Michael Saylor calls them, just destroyed Taleb. And Taleb took his account private. Now, Taleb has like 700,000 followers. Elon Musk has 55 million followers. It's a way different scale. But I said, never go full Taleb. Never opine on something that you really don't know about, that you haven't done the work for. You're busy with other projects. And make yourself sound like an idiot to all these very smart people who have done the homework. And mm-hmm. you know, that's what it looked like to me. He sounded idiotic. Like he sounded like, nah, dude, this is ridiculous what you're saying. Are you joking? Are you trolling? What's the deal? Are you half and half? But in the end, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. This is a short-term thing. Bitcoin will succeed or fail uh, based on the conviction of the millions of people who adopt who have adopted it and, and the millions more who may adopt it. And I just don't think I think this is just total noise. As we record this, the price right now is 389, 38,900. And I, I I'm so unfazed. Like I, I can't even I'm just so not phased by this maybe it dropped to like 24 22 i might get nervous i i don't i would still have diamond hands i'm not selling it but i just feel like i don't know this just it just doesn't really worry me how do you feel about it what are your thoughts i'm curious just to further on the like market manipulation for like the bigger institutions wanting to get in at young uh, you know lower price i even sent you something that was supposedly on like a, a message board before you know this happened saying exactly at a certain time it'll drop to 30 um, I don't know. Is it could just be total bullshit? But I don't, any thoughts on that? And if it matters, there there are a lot of theories that, and I saw one very specific that you sent me that you know was like a calculated thing from China and some other corporation to tank the price down to thirty, which is about where it went, and then to get some whales to capitulate and then buy up their stash. I don't know. You know, it's possible. But I've heard a lot of Bitcoiners speculate. Everybody's a scammer. Everyone's trying to take your Bitcoin. The institutions. We'll try to, you know, FUD as much as possible and then swoop in and buy it from all the uh, weekend regular people who bought it uh, as a speculative investment, get them to dump it down to 30 and then sweep it up, right? I mean, if they're going to go in for billions of dollars, 30 versus 50 is a big deal, right? I mean, you're getting a lot more at 30 than you would at 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see it. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's relevant to somebody holding it. And I, I need to have a disclaimer here. Like you and I are just two dudes who, uh, lose money in the super contest every year, you know, do your own due diligence, do your own research. Don't just take our, our position or our word for it. But by the way, props to that guy, Preston, he said he's having the time of his life during this. And if you're not, you have too much skin in the game. You know, you have too much, you know, I love that. He's still, uh, yeah, I like the positive attitude, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a dark, like Twitter, my Twitter feed last night. And then this morning, I'm glad that at 6am I wasn't awake. Oh yeah. I was there when it was 30. Okay, yeah, I was asleep in my yeah, and then it would jump very much so, change and and it's yeah. So yes, that wild times right now. It's yeah, yeah. So it's, it's my, spare ca- my spare cash is is tied up to buying these houses, and I'll have an update for you next week, hopefully. But okay. I just bought a hundred bucks just at thirty four. I just I put it a hundred. I was like, I'm gonna have to chip in, and I, and I have a I have a retirement I account. Do. I have a retirement account that I can't access, you know, unless I want to get heavily taxed. And I bought some MicroStrategy stock today too, so I bought the okay. dip indirectly. Because nice. you know, nice. Michael Saylor yeah. keeps buying it, so I, I bought some of his stock. And oh, I could be wrong. Sometimes I think, what if Michael Saylor is like a total fraud, you know, and he's just this charismatic guy, and I'm getting fooled by all this. And I sometimes think that, but I, I don't buy it because I think Michael Saylor is the god or whatever. I don't buy yeah. it because I think there's some person that knows more than everybody else. I buy it because I believe in the argument for it and the necessity of it. And somebody was asking me, like, you still have conviction? I'm like, well, the thing that could hurt my conviction is if the U.S. stopped printing money and suddenly they became a really reliable and trustworthy steward of the financial system. I don't know how you do that with humans. A a protocol is much more trustworthy, a trustless protocol, rather than trusting individual humans. Because even if the ones that were in charge today were trustworthy, you can't guarantee that tomorrow new people won't take over who print. But if somehow there were a trustworthy system that stopped printing money and diluting me, then then I think my conviction might wane a little bit. Now, they'd have to have the technology 
have some sort of digital currency and have the technology to make it work um, because digital is so much more advanced. Uh, but barring that, I just think if you think about what it is and what the situation is, I just it's hard to push me off my spot right now. So Sailor certainly is a shill. Um, and one thing I will bring up is what about, have you looked into much uh, FedCoin? Uh, your girl Whitney Webb, I heard talking about it, definitely had me a little concerned about the, the My government. Girl. One, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was in a good, good podcast with Marty Bent actually. Um, uh, but, um, uh, I think you once questioned if she was real. She is a real person, by the way. No, uh, I knew she was a real like person. A, I yeah. just, it's just yeah. like, there's no, if you search for her, there's no history below. Right. No, 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 I know. 2017. No, no, I know. But she's entitled to her offsec. I mean, you know, it's not like she has to, she owes anybody an explanation, but it's just sort of like, she's reporting on all this seriously heavy, heavy duty stuff. And it's very stressful if you believe it. And I just wanted to like, look into it like okay who is she like why why am i learning this you know i, I got you got to be skeptical i'm very skeptical of anything mainstream but you also have to be somewhat skeptical of the alternative explanations too I, i'll give an off topic fed coin any yeah. thoughts on it yeah i don't think it's going to happen really or it'll happen i don't think they can do it you know they, they just can't really do tech the government very well and i i, I don't know i think it's sort of a, a thing they want to do but it's kind of like told the story many times, but like I bought PayPal. I wanted to buy PayPal on the IPO because Rotowire was using it and I was using it. And I was like, this thing is like amazing. It's so much better than sending a check. And, and I, I we went out for drinks with a banker friend, friend of a friend of mine. And he was like, I oh, don't do it. The banks are going to move in and just do this. And of course it never really happened, right? PayPal is bigger than every bank except JP Morgan Chase uh, by market cap and PayPal still the, still around very, it's bigger than ever. So, I kind of felt like it's the same thing. It's like, oh, no, the government will just take this over. And they, they probably want to because if they can, then they can control everything. But are they going to be able to pull it off and have it work? I don't know. So I'm, I'm a little dubious. Maybe China has one and that'll be the, you know, I don't know. I saw some interesting criticism how Musk messed up uh, or didn't exactly do great with his uh, PayPal situation there. But who knows how true that was? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I hear you and all that. And, and also the other, I also heard the argument that it was not even a direct threat to Bitcoin, even if the government does turn to a, right. you know a, a cryptocurrency, well, yeah, because they probably are going to have to do a digital cash. I mean, really, that seems kind it, of ob obvious. So. Yeah, what's interesting though about that, they will have a digital, they'll have something. But uh, what was really interesting, I think we talked to this a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, I don't know, but that. If everybody has a phone, you know, an iPhone, which they do, or an Android phone, whatever, smartphone, and they have an app that's basically a digital wallet for cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or FedCoin or whatever, and the Fed then says, okay, we're going to do some UBI, and they just put 1200 bucks in everybody's digital wallet, what role do the commercial banks have? Hmm. But think about right. it. What, what can they do? Or... No, no middleman, yeah. No, they're not going to like that. You're, you're yeah. now the bank, right? Because you can take deposits. Like, think about it. Like To receive money other than cash in a bag or under your mattress, you need to have an account to send it to. But the only place that can have an account is your bank. You, your account is at a bank. But if you have an account on your phone that can receive money, like literally your, your, you know, your hardware wallet is an account, right? That's Bitcoin. You're a bank. You have an account yeah. without a yeah. central... So... If the central bank is sending money to your FedCoin wallet, whatever, that you can use to spend, then how is the commercial bank, what, is it, what does it even do? It doesn't even have, it cannot, there's no yeah. point in having a bank account. This is your bank account. It's your new bank account. You can pay bills from it, obviously. You can receive funds from it. You can spend funds from it. Why would you transact with the commercial bank? So the commercial banks may not really be on board with FedCoin. No. No, probably not. You see, Samsungs are releasing like the ability to have cold uh, wallets on yeah. on them. I'm not sure uh, how secure that's. So that's pretty interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot to lot to go from uh, from here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Interesting time. I mean, yeah, interesting times. Yes. I mean, that's that's for for damn sure. But very volatile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, volatility is why there's opportunity. If it weren't volatile, for sure, and just went up 200 percent a year on average, then the Nobody would ever sell it to you, and the price would be so high that everybody who didn't get in super early would never be able to get in. It's the volatility that makes people drop it with their hands, lettuce hands, lettuce hands, exactly. And uh, and <laughs> so then you pick it up, you know. And and I really feel like the people who get it, and again, I'm assuming this is I don't want to 
do your own research. Maybe I'm just crazy and I'm in a cult and, and I need to be deprogrammed. So you never know. Don't trust other people. Do your own research. But in my opinion, the people who get it aren't the smartest people in the world. Elon Musk is very smart. And Nassim Taleb is very smart. They don't get it. Maybe Elon does because he did buy a lot for Tesla, but they don't seem to get it. And there's many smart people, academics, economists, whatever, who do not get it. And many ordinary people who just totally get it. And I think it's like spiritual enlightenment. It's the smart, the people who are enlightened are not the smartest people necessarily. You have to probably be above a certain level, but it's just people who are ready. They're just open to it. They're open to looking at it from a different uh, perspective. And so it's almost like, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth. You know, the open-minded shall inherit the earth. The people willing to look will inherit the earth. Even if you haven't gotten it yet, people are selling. The people who are just trying to make a quick buck, they don't really believe in it. They don't get it. And I almost think there's going to be more defenestrations on the way up than on the way down. Because on the way down, you're like, oh, I lost my money. On the way up, you're like, I could have been, you know, a multimillionaire, but I, I sold on the way down. I panic sold and I kept thinking it's not a good time to get in. And then it ran away from me. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it requires an open-mindedness. And I can very frequently uh, predict people in my life if they're into it or not before knowing just by right. knowing their personality. I, I've found that um, for sure to be true. So um, yeah, I mean, open-mindedness is, is a great way of putting it. You have to be a little bit gullible, not gullible, like ridiculous, like you're still believing the people to push Russiagate and the WMDs in Iraq and, you know, whatever other bullshit is coming down the pike by the, you know, not, not like embarrassingly gullible, but just, you know, oh, this might work. This alternative treatment might work. Let me try this. And then it will fail, but you actually gave it a real try because you thought, oh, this could work. You know, sometimes you're like, ah, it's kind of a scam. Maybe it just didn't work for you, but maybe it was a scam. But either way, you're going to like try some things that don't work. Not again, not just insanely credulous in order to signal type stuff, but just, you know, trying Mm -hmm. alternative things that, um, and, and I feel like, yeah, you have to be a little bit like that because to never get scammed is to never be open to something that, maybe seems like a scam on the surface, but actually if you dig into it, it's the real thing. I actually have one other thing I want to throw at you before we go. Um, I thought of Liz. Um, sorry, a bit of a, we, we finished with the Bitcoin talk. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we okay. covered it. Right. Okay. So um, I've come across personally, not a ton in the, in the, in the media, but uh, restaurants in a lot of places are, are closed just flat out because workers are making more money staying at home, getting, getting paychecks. Like, have you come across this? Have, uh, do you have thoughts on this? I guess Uber right now is far more expensive than taxis, if not impossible to find. Um, and just, yeah, restaurants and, um, they're just, they, they, they just, they can't find the people to work for them because they're making more staying at home. Like I personally come across this in my life in the past two, three weeks, more so than ever before. Yeah, I, I've I've heard people talking about it on Twitter. I'm I'm in Portugal, so it's not the case here because they can't print their own currency, and they're sort of the redheaded stepchild of the EU. They don't get they don't get a whole lot of money, uh, so people are working here. But I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, if you're getting paid more to stay home, why are you going to do a job? Um, and it's horrible for society. The money that they're spending, they're diluting the same people. They're diluting the people furthest from the money supply. And mostly people don't own assets and they're inflating and it's going to inflate prices and that's going to make it. Yeah. Great. You're staying home for more money, which makes sense from an individual perspective, but society is going to be more expensive and it's in the end, you're going to have less money relative to the cost of goods. And, you know, also, you know, there's not the good of having, you know, restaurants and things open, but it's not their fault. They're just doing what they're incentivized to do. It's just horrible incentives that are, incredibly destructive and not sustainable. Final, final thing, Liz, and it's kind of a big one here. Um, UFOs. Uh, Scott Adams uh, offered a $1 million bet for any for anyone that bets on this is all a psyops. He thinks this is all BS and just, you know, just the, the people screwing with us. But Obama's coming out and even he said that, uh, you know, yes, there, there is evidence of, 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 of crafts moving at speeds that we can't explain. What do you think? One gigantic psyop or just suddenly, suddenly, Yes, the government's admitting all kinds of uh, UFOs exist. And, and we're not even reacting that much. I mean, here I am, Barry. I mean, here we are barely talking about it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm very suspicious of anything the government's pushing, you know, any story that the legacy media, which is basically the PR arm of the government, is pushing. Like, why? You know, I just ask, why are we learning this now? 
What are they distracting us from? What's coming next? What bad things going to happen that we can worry about UFOs? It doesn't move the needle for me. It's something I'm actually like, like if there were actually UFOs, that'd be incredibly interesting and fascinating and, you know, maybe uh, terrifying, but I, I'm not even there. I don't even, it doesn't even. I know about it. 60 minutes is running an entire episode with all former pilots is going on record saying, you know, and showing all the footage. I mean, I guess the footage could be, you know, totally manipulated though. So I, okay. So you're just saying, I, I guess know. you're, you wouldn't I, take 60 that minutes back. is like one of the least, it's one of the, no, I got reputable. Okay, so you're, they did, yeah, I can't remember what they zero. did. They got busted for something that was just oh, I know, horrendously I know. false. I can't sure. remember what it was. Something oh, yeah. with COVID that was just like a complete oh, yeah. lie. Yeah. Uh, and they got busted and they didn't even really apologize or correct it. I think, I mean, they're truly. Right. And so I, you know, to me, that's almost evidence I gotcha. against it. I got gotcha. you. Like, like in maybe- fact, they would only be green lighted to run something if it were like the government saying, okay, it's okay to run this. Like, please run yeah. this now. Like totally. the, I, I, I almost see the media the legacy media and the government is like one continuous thing. It's like state propaganda, like, you know, Russia, like Pravda, one of these newspapers that, you know, issues official news releases. That's how I I see it. It's essentially that once in a while, there'll be some real reporting in these places, but very little. Maybe this is a little evidence that the general public is wisening up a little here because people are generally acting like they don't give a shit and they're kind of ignoring this because it's so maybe that this is some evidence of that. But okay, I got you. I I was arguing otherwise. I just wanted your opinion. Yeah, big a big nothing burger because who knows why they're they're sending this message out now. I'm definitely open to the fact that UFOs exist and it would be obviously there's nothing more fascinating than that. But but coming from the source, I'd rather it be for some crank who everybody says is a conspiracy theorist and be like, well, what is he really saying? Is he really a crank or is he just somebody that's not, you know, and investigate that and, and question him rather than taking CBS. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. CBS <laughs> is the, you know, and not just CBS, all of the mainstream legacy media is yeah, the yeah. biggest purveyor of disinformation in the, in the information ecosystem. It, it's a fact. I mean, WMDs in Iraq got half a million, a million people killed. That was a lie. That was disinformation at scale. I mean, the, you know, the things about Russia and Trump and Russia and all this stuff, that was a lie at giant scale. So the disinformation is, is just, you know, that, that's who the real purveyors are. There's a lot of lies from, you know, cranks all over the place, obviously. But to me, like, <laughs> the, the, I, I really had such a distrust that it, it's almost it's a source that I can't even uh, consider seriously. Cool, man. Makes sense. All right. Glad you fired up. All right. Good stuff, man. So, so what, I got one last thing. I wrote another uh, Substack post. Oh, uh, yes, and it's, bring that up. Yes. Yeah. It's a uh, conspiracy part two. So the first one was um, a guy, you know, it's, it's not me. It's a fiction. It's fictional of a guy who witnessed uh, the planning of COVID. And the second one is, is him witnessing the, a follow-up meeting and uh, something else that was disturbing to him. They're both very dark, but I posted it. It's linked to my Twitter. So uh, check that out. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dark and yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Is there going to be a next a, a part three? Uh, I don't know. Maybe depending on events, right? If there's, if I, <laughs> if I feel like something else is coming, uh, you know, or maybe, you know, these are, these are hypothetical cons- they're conspiracies. They're, they're, yeah. they're like, okay, what if this was due to a conspiracy? How would it, how would it have gone? What's the most plausible way to explain this as a conspiracy that would make perfect sense, you know, given what's happening. I'm not saying this is what's actually happening. I'm just saying it's, it's a fiction. But it's a fiction with, uh, you know, with some, some meaning you know, for our actual world. And then, uh, yeah, there could be a third one. I have some ideas about it, but I don't think we're there yet socially. I don't think we're... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I know, I know where we are timeline-wise. Yeah, no, I, yeah. yeah, I can't wait they can to go, see... You can go to another step or two. There's probably a couple <laughs> others. So I, I posted yeah. that if you guys want to check it out. Oh, yeah. I, I want to say two other things. One, I forgot to do the commercial breaks. I got to do that in the edit again, which is a pain in the ass. But okay, we'll do that. Second one is... I really appreciate the continued positive feedback for this podcast, for uh, just the stuff we talk about. And we keep getting signups from this. And it's just, it's really cool. So uh, thank you. So if you want to sign up, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, you can mention the podcast if, if this why you signed up. If you're into fantasy sports, Rotowire is the best site. Free 10-day trial. You don't need a credit card. Rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, after you check everything out, you can pay in earnest. We have all of our uh, NFL projections and the outlooks are coming on the site soon. There's that. And the other thing is, I, I just found a review. We have like 183 five-star reviews and six one-star reviews and a, a couple in between. But out of 195 total reviews, 
183 are five stars, okay, which is very nice. But one guy, the latest review that I saw, gave us one star. And it wasn't, oh, I don't agree with the politics or something like that. It wasn't one of those. It was, oh, I enjoy the podcast, but the sound sucks. The, these guys, can't they uh, get their sound together? And I think it was a day that yours had a couple of pops, even though usually it's mine that's, that was bad when we had bad audio. Really, you're going to give a one star to a free podcast and, and, and hurt the rating because you like the podcast, but that one episode had some pops in the sound. It wasn't even that bad. I listened to the sound. So A, if you're the guy, Johnny something or other, you might want to remove that. It's not very nice. And two, uh, if you haven't rated the podcast, go ahead and uh, flood it with some five stars if, if you like the podcast, of course. If you don't like it, just don't rate it. Uh, it's a free podcast, so you don't have to. It's not like you got to warn somebody. They just If it's that terrible, they just won't listen of their own accord. But I just don't like seeing that. Uh, and you know, the average rating is five because there's so few low ones. But I like to keep it up. It's probably just stupid. It's probably some uh, as valid as like your credit score or the Chinese credit <laughs> system or something. But you know, for whatever reason, I'm you know still in the matrix, I guess, and wouldn't mind a few more five star reviews if you're inclined. And and we're we're switching up recording systems here too, so I can't wait for the the, the ensuing snafu. But hopefully, it sounds okay. I'm I'm open to getting any kind of mic or or whatever because I have a whole different device when I record pods for for Yahoo. But yeah, I I want to improve the sound quality too. But that's a little harsh. I agree. You sound very good to me now. So I don't mean as a human being, I mean, just as your <laughs> audio setup. And so, and, and I got a new I, mic. I, I so. enjoy being able to see you too. No one can obviously tell this, but I'm, oh, I'm able to watch. I'm, I'm oh, you can see me. That. I can't see yeah. you. Your, yours isn't, uh, your video didn't show up. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, That might be on me, but you, you've let, allowed me to, to look at oh. your uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful face this entire yeah. time. I'm, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. made it even better. So, yeah. Good no, times, Liz. I didn't, I didn't realize, you know. Yeah. Those faces you've been making on the comments I make. Uh, no, no, seriously. I know. I didn't know. I didn't know I was being watched. That's really funny that you didn't know. That's and, uh, great. I didn't know that big you Big brother know. was watching me. Little brother yeah, yeah. was watching me. Uh, ironically, the person's so, uh, you know, worried about that. Yeah, that's uh, they're always yeah. watching you. Like, yeah. well, All right, man. Good time. Well, so Zlowski told me, just leave the camera running and just run the audio. So no one's going to see it. Uh, it's not that yeah, exciting. Okay. It's just me sitting here on the desk. All right, man. Take it easy. Good stuff. All right. Later, Liz. Later, man. Later.